Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Will God really dwell on earth? This was a question that King Solomon asked in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27 when he was dedicating the temple in Jerusalem around about 1000 BC. And it's a good question. Will God really dwell on earth? You see, the ancient Israelites knew that God was transcendent. In other words, God was beyond. God was separate from all creation. He was separate and distinct from all material world. Even the highest of heavens could not contain God. Yet, this God who is beyond creation, beyond the physical world, was somehow intimately present within the world and His presence could be uniquely experienced in the temple. Now, they didn't want to say that God Himself in His entirety was in the temple, as if a temple could contain God. So they would use the language, the glory of God. They would say that the glory of God filled the temple. In that way, it would protect one from thinking that God could be contained in a temple. And it was a way of expressing and explaining how God can simultaneously be completely different be completely beyond the physical world, and yet somehow intimately present within the temple. God was intimately present in the temple through His glory. Now, His glory refers to the very presence of God. And, and it is God, because it's, it's His glory. But somehow, it's still kind of distinct from God. And so they were able to show how God could be both way far beyond and above all creation and yet still intimately present in the temple through His glory. And they had other words, other concepts that they used to explain this this paradox, how God can simultaneously be beyond and different from all creation and yet intimately present and active within creation. They would use the terms the Word of God or the wisdom of God. So, for example, in the book of Proverbs, the wisdom of God is personified as a lady, as lady wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 8, we read how Lady Wisdom was the firstborn of all of God's works. And how Lady Wisdom was intimately present and constantly at the side of God. And how Lady Wisdom is the architect, the agent that God uses to create the whole universe. So, another example in Proverbs chapter 3, it simply says in verse 19, By wisdom the Lord has laid the foundations of the earth. By understanding, He sets the heavens in place. God creates 
through His wisdom. And just as we can talk about intellectual property, so I can say, well, those are my ideas, those are my thoughts, they they are intimately connected to me, they are mine, but yet they kind of function as a life of their own, as distinct from me. And so God can be completely beyond and transcendent, yet He's actively involved through His wisdom. Uh, And again, God uses wisdom, His wisdom, as the agent that brings life and new life. So in Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 18, it says, She, that's referring to Lady Wisdom, is the tree of life. To those who take hold of her, those who hold her fast will be blessed. In other words, those who take hold of God's wisdom will experience life, new life. And within the Old Testament, the wisdom of God is primarily accessed through the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. It's there that you can access the very wisdom of God, the mind of God, the intellectual property of God. And when you follow God's wisdom, you will find life, new life. The other concept they used was the Word of God to explain how God can simultaneously be above and beyond creation and yet intimately involved in creation. And just as my words are very much intimately connected to me, it's the breath that comes out of my mouth, the sound that comes out of me. They express my ideas and my thoughts. They are intimately connected to me, but yet they are distinct from me and they can have a life of their own. You can hold me to my word. You can say, but you said. You can quote me. You can write my words down. So they can be both intimately part of me, but yet distinct from me. Words also have power. They not only have a life of their own, but they have power to create new settings. You just have to think of the words, I love you, or the words, you're fired. They are powerful. They create new situations. And so God's word is, create, is, is expressed or, or used as a active, described as an active force within the world achieving his purposes. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, God says, So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God's word is an active force within creation, achieving God's purposes, bringing life, healing, and hope. And God's word within the Old Testament is primarily accessed through the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the words of the prophets. So this is how they would explain how God can simultaneously 
be completely separate and beyond creation, and yet simultaneously at the same time be intimately present and active within creation. And it's only when we truly have this first century Jewish background that we can begin to understand John chapter 1. So John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning. That's a clear echo back to Genesis 1. Where God's word creates. Genesis chapter 1 says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. You can see how God's word is his active force within creation creating stuff. And so it starts off with that very echo. In the beginning. In other words, before the beginning began was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. To the original readers, that will immediately make them think of the Word of God and that wisdom of God, the very agents that God used to create the whole universe. That's what they would be thinking. Verse 2. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Everything that exists comes from the Word. Verse 4, In Him was life. And that life was the light of all humankind. Not only was the the wisdom of God and the Word of God the source of all life, but now they were about to bring about new life, eternal life. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The first creation act of God was let there be light. And darkness is a symbol of nothingness and death. Light is a symbol of life and new life. And just as the word challenged the darkness in the first creation act before creation began, so now the word is about to challenge the darkness that is within the world. The word is now about to bring about a new creation in which God is about to say, let there be light again. And the darkness will not prevail. Up until this point, the original readers would have been very happy and familiar with all these concepts. They were aware that the world wasn't the way God intended it to be. They were aware that there was darkness in the world. 
And they were waiting for God to come and sort it out, to put the world to right, to shine His light in the darkness. But the real shock comes in verse 14, where we read, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word, that's the Word of God, the cosmic wisdom of God that is the source of the whole universe, that brought the whole universe into being, has become flesh, has become a human, and has made His dwelling amongst us. And what we discover over here is that the Word of God, this cosmic wisdom of God, is not merely a personification of God's attribute. It's not merely the agent and the tool that God uses to create the whole universe, but rather it's a person. It's Jesus. Nor is the Word some abstract principle of reason that brings order to the whole universe like the Greek philosophers believed. It's not some impersonal force that brings life. Rather, it's a person. It's Jesus. And this word, this cosmic wisdom, has become a human and dwells amongst us. Now, many people will say, well, if only I could see God, if only I could touch God, if only I could relate with God the way I relate with other people, then I could believe in God. But that's exactly what God has done. He has become a human in the person of Jesus. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh, and made His dwelling amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. See, the first disciples of Jesus physically saw Him, physically touched Him, physically spoke to Him. And through their relationship with Jesus, they experienced the glory of God. The very glory of God that they had experienced within the temple, they now experienced through their relationship with Jesus. You see, in the past, God had dwelt amongst His people through the temple. But now God was dwelling amongst His people in a far more profound way. He had become a human. So if you want to experience the glory of God, the very presence of God, don't go to the temple. Go to Jesus. Verse 15 says, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I've spoken about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. See, John is able to say, even though Jesus was born after him, John is able to say that Jesus was before me because Jesus pre-existed as the Word 
the eternal word, the eternal cosmic wisdom of God. Verse 16. Out of His fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Now grace is God's undeserved kindness and love that He shows us. And in the past, God had demonstrated His undeserved kindness and love for us by revealing His wisdom, by revealing His word through the law of Moses. But now God has exceeded that. He's done a whole new thing. He's showing His grace, His undeserved kindness and love through Jesus. For his wisdom, his word has become a human. And that's why he can say we have received grace in place of grace already received. Verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, that's the unique Son, the one of a kind Son, who is Himself God. He is the very Word of God. He is the very wisdom of God. That cosmic wisdom of God. And is in the closest relationship with the Father. Again, that's that wisdom language. Has made Him known. You see, it's impossible to know God Fully, because God is invisible. God is a spirit. God is completely beyond and above the physical world, the material world. But God doesn't remain aloof. God doesn't remain distant. But rather, He comes to us in a person, in the person of Jesus, who is the very wisdom of God, who is the very Word of God. And Jesus has made him know. God took the initiative. God came to seek us. And God reveals himself to us through Jesus. Therefore, we can know God personally through Jesus. You know what the biggest shock is in this passage? Verses 10 and 11 which say, He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Wow. The very Word of God, this cosmic wisdom of God, becomes human and walks on the earth and the very, his very own people whom he created reject him. Initially it was the, the religious Jews of his day. But today, all over the world, there are people who reject Jesus. Even though Jesus is the one who gave us life and he's coming to give us new life, people reject him. That's shocking, 
It's amazing. But it's true. But then the passage actually addresses us in verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. Yet to all who received Him. That's anyone, back then or now, all who receive Him. You see, God wants everyone to receive Him. It doesn't matter what family you're born in or what part of the world you are born in. God wants all people from all places and all families to be born in a new way. To become part of His family. And to experience that life, that eternal life that He has in store for us. So how are you going to respond to Jesus? Are you going to reject Jesus? The light of the world. Or are you going to receive Him? Take that step of faith. Put your trust in Him. And receive that life, that new life that He offers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You don't remain aloof and distant, but You come to us to reveal Yourself to us in the person of Jesus. And Father, we thank You that we can access your, your wisdom, Your glory, and Your Word through Jesus. And we thank You that by the Holy Spirit and through reading the Bible, we can still access that very cosmic wisdom that Word of God. And that we can know You personally. And so, Father, we pray that we would hear from You afresh and receive You afresh this Christmas time. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.